Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trial Stories. I'm your host, Arkady Frechtman, a New York City personal injury trial attorney. And today, I'm going to show you how our law firm handles premises liability cases on behalf of clients that we represent. So a premises liability case could be a slip and fall on ice, a trip and fall due to a raised sidewalk, an accident that happens in an apartment building, a ceiling collapse, or a leak from a ceiling that leads to a fall, or many other types of uh, accidents or injuries that happen in a premises or a building of any type. So um, the first thing that we do when we hire uh, or when, when the clients hire us is we, um, we have a video series that is on YouTube and it's a, a recording and what we do is we're going to put it into a playlist and we provide it to our clients. It goes on a drip campaign and the clients receive one video every two weeks and it's all about premises liability cases, the type of cases that they care about because it happened to them. And it answers FAQs like how soon should I go to a doctor? How can I get treatment? Who's going to pay? How could we do telemedicine during COVID? Um, and then what's the status of my case? How the process works? How much will my case be worth? What do I need to prove in order to win my case? Can the landlord kick me out of my apartment? You know, things like that. But what I wanted to focus this video on is to give you some resources. And this is for other personal injury plaintiff's attorneys, as well as litigants who are pro se. If you want to handle a case on your own without a lawyer and go pro se to court, this is the type of information you would need. There are a lot of public resources out there on the internet that you could use as a weapon to find out information about the defendants who in premises liability cases, the defendants are usually the landlords, the owners, of the property as well as the tenants or the um i'm sorry not the tenants the um the the management companies the management companies are also the uh, the defendants so that's usually where you start and we created this um, onboarding for our staff and what they do is they go in here and it basically answers the question, what investigation will my lawyer do to help my lawsuit? And so we have all these links like the Department of Buildings, the New York City HPD, which is the Housing and Preservation Department. There's a website called Who Owns What? And so just to start, in the very, very beginning, what we do is we go to the scene of the uh, accident and we look at it ourselves. We look, we look at the, uh, the, we take measurements, photos. Uh, we speak to witnesses. We find out if there are any witnesses. We, we, um, we get a detailed uh, information from our clients, from the witnesses. If it's a serious case or if we feel like an expert could help, we hire an expert, like an engineer or a safety expert. And they'll go out and they'll uh, do their own photos, videos. Uh, and then we have an expert on board. But the two resources that are really, really helpful are who owns what. And you can see here, if you click on who owns what, 
on the link, and we'll drop all these links in the uh, description. Uh, but you could just type in an address. Like, for example, I think the last one I worked on was 2500 uh, Bedford. Uh, yeah, you just click on it. And it'll tell you, like, who is the site manager, who's the agent, who's the, uh, which company owns it. And then it gives you all these cool links, like Acris. Acris will give you the deeds. And then you just click on Acris takes you right there and then boom you see just look at the deed that's the most recent deed in 2015 it tells you this LLC owns the building and uh, it was uh, sold for 3.5 million in 2015 and then you can even click uh, the button and then you see view document boom and you get the actual deed the, the actual deed. you can print it you know you could zoom into it and you could see exactly what's what's happening so it's it's free. So it's it's very helpful. And then you could also go to the HPD website, and then that'll give you uh, complaints and violations from the Housing and Preservation Department. The way that works is people call 311, somebody comes out, and if the complaint is confirmed that it's substantiated, that it, act, it actually is happening, like they say, my ceiling is leaking, and somebody comes out and they say, well, the ceiling is leaking, it is cracked, it is dangerous, they'll issue a violation. And then if the landlord still doesn't uh, cure the violation and fix the problem properly, then we can use that in court to show this landlord is really bad. That he, Not only is the client complaining, the tenant, um, the client has to complain to the New York City Housing and Preservation. They have to come out, a government agency, it takes them time to come out. They have to do their inspection they issue a violation with a monetary penalty and a notice to the landlord. And then time goes by beyond that, and the landlord still doesn't fix it. So then the landlord looks really, really bad in court. And then you have the Department of Buildings, um, complaints and violations. You have uh, property tax bills, which really just tells you about ownership. This one, the DAP portal, is really cool because... When you go into here, what it does is it gives you um, sales and financing. It gives you um, evictions if you have like a landlord-tenant issue. It gives you the HPD complaints, and you could actually click on 100, right? And then you see all the complaints. And whatever your case is about, like if your case is about uh, something to do with, let's say, um, a broken window. Here, you have a broken window right here. Um, on 131 2019 just depending what your case is about and it actually lists all the apartments see like 4d 3a 2f so you you have to find it and uh, then you can use that in your case and it also has all the violations and with the violations it gets a little bit more specific because they're, they're telling you actual code sections. so for example they're saying section 27-2005 of the administrative code was violated because there's a broken or defected, uh, defective plastered surface in the bathroom at apartment 3F. So if it's like a defective ceiling, then that if it's a ceiling collapse, that could be your violation right there. And they have the Department of Building Complaints, um, the Department of Building Violations. This one has to do with boilers the Environmental Control Board violations, which uh, I think this one 
has to do with some kind of construction issues. So you might have a case about construction. The Department of Building Permit Applications uh, and, and, and litigations against the landlord. You have other litigations. I think these are also landlord-tenant litigations. So this is very helpful. And then the other uh, very important thing you could do is you could um, you could search if you have a case, for example, with streets where a company is doing work on a street. You could go out and you could use the New York City Streets Permit Management System, and you just plug in two streets uh, or you know uh, intersection or wherever the work is being done. You could do by permit, by dates, by location, by the permittee, if you know who's doing the work. And then it'll actually tell you who did the work. And then you could follow up with a freedom of information law request to get more information, such as the gang sheets and the actual uh, work that was being done. So it's pretty, pretty cool. There's a lot of stuff. There's OSHA, where you could search for OSHA violations on a federal level. You could subpoena the OSHA inspections. You could search by establishment uh, on a state or federal level, and um, you could then issue a subpoena as an attorney to get more information from uh, OSHA, or you could do a freedom of information law to them as well. So there's a lot of uh, different resources. And the final one that I think is very important is this one about uh, FOIL. This is the New York City FOIL. So you just click it, and it takes you to... A cat, it takes you to different categories, but if you don't know which category, you could leave it as all, and then you click on agencies, and then you'll see here they have various agencies. For example, the Department of Homeless Services. So if your injury occurred in a shelter, you would want the Homeless uh, Services uh, foil, and they would give you the inspections, the um, complaints, whatever they have. You could do it for the housing and preservation. We looked at the DAP portal, and that gave you violations, but that's just telling you that the violation uh, was issued. With this, you could probably get the exact complaint, um, the uh, inspector's notes, you know, whatever they have, you could you could FOIL through the Freedom of Information Act and the Freedom of Information Law. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, if it happened in a park, parks and recreation, uh, sanitation, you know, whatever whatever it's it's about, transportation. Uh, Department of Transportation, um, and then yeah, there's a there's a bunch of them. So you just look through it, whatever's relevant, and then you could get the uh, the foil uh, research. So it's pretty pretty cool. I mean, um, it also has uh, I think some kind of local uh, laws that you could search or local statutes. Corporate oh corporations. If you want to sue a corporation, you could. You could you could do those searches, local laws, corporations, and entities. You could find uh, any kind of corporation in here. So it's pretty helpful information. And this is an example of how we used it in an actual case. We we sent a settlement opportunity letter to the insurance company, and we told them, "Hey, you have a 42 unit apartment building that was purchased for 6.5 million back in 2013. It had almost 200 HPD complaints and uh, 100 violations." And 65 of those are still active. And here's a link. You could, you know, we're not making this up. Here's a link to it. And the building has uh, boiler violations. And um, it's just scary because this owner has 22 other properties. And look at how they're managing them. They have 1.1 open violations per residential unit. 
And that's much, much worse than the citywide average because the websites also tell you what's the average. Um, and then uh, I think it was a total of like over 2,160 violations. And a Brooklyn jury will not be sympathetic to a wealthy landlord or slumlord who's uh, neglecting hardworking tenants. And then you use that, and this case actually settled for $100,000. It was a slip and fall on a, a lobby staircase, and it settled for just under $100,000, um, I think, because, because of some of that. So one of the things you want to do as a lawyer or as a pro se litigant is you want to show motive. You want to show why this is happening. And if it's really, really bad conduct, it could rise to exemplary damages or punitive damages, which means that... Um, it's willful and it's gross violation that they really don't care. Like they're being told that they're violating the law, they have to fix it, and they're just putting profits over safety and ignoring everything and doing it willfully and knowingly. And once that happens, you can get money to compensate the injured party, but you could also get money to punish the defendant so this kind of conduct doesn't happen again in the future. And that's very, very powerful. And so... All of these links are, are, are excellent uh, sources to use. The other thing you can do is just Google the defendant, Google your own plaintiff, find out as much as you can. It's important for an attorney to be curious because some uh, law firms, they just get overwhelmed with a volume of work. And so you don't want to get stuck in that whirlwind where it's always something you know coming at you, this case, that case, this client, that client, and you just can't sit down and take the time to be curious and to do this kind of research because this kind of um, research could be very, very powerful. And I'll give you some examples. Like I had a case in February of 2020, right before the pandemic, where uh, a mom was picking up her child from school and she was leaving through a side door out of the school to go to the um, the yard to basically go home. It was three o'clock and she slipped and fell on those stairs inside the school, about three, four steps leading to that side door. So the city of New York was sued in the department of education. And they said, we're not going to pay anything. It was raining. People are going in and out. Of course, they're going to track in water. But we found that this was a recurrent condition. We had witnesses to say that, that this was happening every time it rained. People would always track in water and they never put a receptacle for umbrellas. They never put mats. And then we found this through the Freedom of Information Law. We sent it to the Department of Education and the Department of Sanitation. And we got it from both sources, right? It was from like 1975, 42 years before the incident. They had a manual for all New York City schools. And it said, you must have rubber mats during inclement weather. So now we argued you didn't follow your own rules. And we knew it was powerful because during closing arguments, when we were making the argu uh, making that argument, like three or the four of the six jurors were like, uh, you know, nodding their heads, of course, because uh, if you, you're the one who makes the rule, how can you not follow it? And then we also got it from sanitation because they had a collective bargaining agreement for all the janitors. And it said the same thing during inclement weather, you have to put mats. And we had no mats in our case. So that's just one example. There was another example in a case where we found uh, violations to HPD for sealing uh, leaks. And they never fixed it despite like, you know, years and years, like a decade worth. And then the ceiling collapsed on our client. There was one with um, 
a nursing home, I believe, where the owner of the nursing home was sued by the attorney general, and he had to pay like $30 million penalty and admit fault for uh, the egregious conduct that he um, unfortunately was involved in. And there was one with uh, like a trailer park upstate uh, in New York where uh, the attorney general of the state of New York sued the owner of that trailer park for not providing water, not providing heat, and having all these safety violations. And our case was also an egregious safety violation. It was like a jagged uh, metal that was sticking up and it cut a child. So um, the the New York State uh, foil could also be done. Uh, That's the freedom of information law for the uh, attorney general for the New York State. The one we looked at was the New York City one. But I hope this has been helpful. So it just really goes to explain how a lawyer, or you could do it yourself if you're a pro se litigant, how you should start a case. You should really go to the scene, take measurements, photos, uh, speak to witnesses, speak to your client, You know, find out everything that happened, find out the history, uh, do a Google search of your own client and of the, all the defendants, um, d- use these resources especially this DAP portal and the who owns what, because that gives you a lot of information. And you could download, like in the DAP portal, we looked at it, you could actually download it to um, to Excel. So you could keep it and you could actually put like 100, you could find 100 different violations of all these different things. And if it's relevant, you just download it and then you can keep it and um, use it. So yeah, it's really it's really helpful. And with the FOIL, you just submit your information, it's free. You put your description, you put in your name and your uh, email, and you submit it. You get an email back from them right away acknowledging your request, and then about two, three months later, they'll usually send you a letter with some documents, and then you could follow up with them. You could start emailing back and forth, you know, to follow up. It's a little bit delayed because of the pandemic, but it's it's very helpful. And um, Google Maps is also excellent. Like, uh, you could see the condition of a roadway or a sidewalk, like we have a case, for example, where a manhole wasn't flush with the roadway and somebody tripped um, tripped in the hole right near at the edge of the manhole. And you could just go to Google Maps and you could see like in 2013, for example, they have archived historical photos. It was perfect. It was in great condition. You could use Google Maps or Google Earth. Then in 20, I believe, 18 you could see the cracks starting to develop. And then by 2020, when our client fell, it was even bigger. It got really bad. And there's a rule in New York City that manholes have to be flush with the roadway. And there's a 12-inch rule, 12 inches all around the um, the metal of the manhole. Uh, there shouldn't be any kind of uh, elevations or, or defects or holes. And here we did have that. So, so that could be helpful too, just using a Google map. Um, So I hope this has been helpful. This is just some of the ways that we investigate cases to get them started, to build that foundation, to then uh, have the evidence that we need to file the lawsuit. And then, of course, once you file the lawsuit, you can get more information in discovery. And then you're always putting pressure on the defendants to settle, to pay you a fair monetary value for what your injury is worth. And if they don't pay, then you you have all this ammunition that you could use at trial. So I hope this has been helpful. Drop us a comment. Ask us a question. We'd be happy to help. Tell us about your case or how you want to use these tools. Okay. Have a great night, everybody, and bye-bye.